American Craftsman Podcast is proud to partner with Montana Brand Tools. The West was built by people with strength and great pride in their workmanship. It was a necessity that early settlers of Montana have a strong will, a resilient character, and great determination to tame the rugged landscape while adapting to its dramatic climate. That spirit, made the USA pride in craftsmanship, is alive today, both in how Montana Brand Tools are manufactured and how they perform. Montana Brand Power Tool accessories are manufactured utilizing proprietary, state-of-the-art CNC machining equipment and the highest quality materials available. Montana Brand Tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. Montana Brand Tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist, located in Ronan, Montana. Montana Brand's heritage comes from a long line of innovative power tool accessories. Use coupon code AmericanCraftsman for 10% off your order at MontanaBrandTools.com. Welcome to episode 37, guys, of the American Craftsman Podcast. Fortunately, we had some audio issues on this episode, um, the worst of which is what I'm covering up right now. Um, I think we have it figured out. We have either a bad mic or a bad cable. Um, so unfortunately, the sound quality in this episode is not the best. There's a lot of uh, hiss and uh, sort of static sounds, but should have it figured out next week. Uh, appreciate the patience, and uh, here we go. I think I'm about to say it's 79 degrees. So you don't want to be standing out in the sun, but uh, in that, the shop. It's that nice. borderline air conditioner weather. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about turning on later today. We'll see. Yeah. You got that central air. Oh, yeah. It's quiet. Yeah. Just blows that magical cold air into mm-hmm. the rooms. Yeah, paid out the ass for it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to America. Yeah. <laughs> We got everything here as long as you're willing to pay for it. Yeah. Um, what can you say? Well, speaking of the heat, yeah, I had a freaking bug on my leg. Uh, this beer, I think, is it's appropriate for a nice hot day. All right. So we stopped at a new liquor store today because we were out and about uh, picking up a check from the church. Thank you. So we stopped at a, a different liquor store that I know has... Uh, Good beer. Wow. So this is, um, I think the brewery is Zero Gravity, and the name of the beer is Frankie. <laughs> it says, everyone's summer crush, and it has a lemon and, like, a, I guess it's cherry on the front. Yeah. One's pink yeah. and one's red. I don't know what that means. It was just a, uh, a design thing. It says, bright and spritzy, ale with fruit. Keep, keep from, Vermont green. Yeah, from Burlington. Yep. I thought it looked good. The can is uh, it's quite summery. Yeah. So I thought something kind of juicy and uh, refreshing would be good. Uh, it doesn't smell like I was hoping it would. It's definitely got like a, a pink kind of uh yeah like an orangey pink yeah kind of like a grapefruit color yeah yeah look at that might have to pull up some uh info on this you know you'd think with the you know that they would give you an inkling of to what's inside <laughs> a little bit more of a story huh yeah. <laughs> it just says Frankie, ale with fruit. Beer. 
It's beer. <laughs> a little hazy. Yeah. Even the head has a little bit of that pink orange kind of color to it. It does. Very, very, uh, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Zerogravitybeer.com. Bear with us as a try and fit this whole can in here. Yeah. And uh, see if we come up with anything. If you want your very own American Craftsman podcast at Beer Glass, we still have some for sale on the website. We're on the other side of this curtain. What are we selling those for nowadays? Uh, ten bucks, yeah, something like that. Bargain. Looks like. Well, uh, I don't think I'm gonna be able to fit this whole thing in here. Cheers. Cheers to you. Cheers, all you out there. Hmm, that's good. Wow. That's different. Yeah. Mm. Look at that. It looks like, I don't even know what. Not beer. Uh, grapefruit soda. Like Fresca? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love a Fresca. Me too. Frankie, right? Spritzy. Yeah, let's look. Uh, I want to see what the deal is with this. Zero, gravity, Frankie. Well, they have to say for themselves. Yeah, I mean, this is what I want you to have on the can. What's this whole thing with websites? Are you 21? Yeah. <laughs> I can't get drunk off your website. Um, a bright and spritzy refresher brewed with tart cherry and exotic citrus fruit. This beer is light on the palate and dry on the finish, bursting with bold citrus notes and the subtle complexity of tart cherry. Frankie would be delighted to accompany you on all your summer adventures. 5.1% ABV, 14 IBUs. Uh, pale ale, pilsner, rolled oats, and malted wheat are the malts. Citra and mm, Motur. Not sure what that is, or I've never heard of that type of hop. House lager yeast. So it's got red pomelo and calamansi oranges in it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Seems you can buy this stuff, and they'll ship it out to you. Really? Well, let me see. Shop. No. Was it just t-shirts and just stuff? Just their stuff, yeah. yeah. But, hey, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Could be colder. Yeah, that's uh, that's not really something we could handle sometimes. Time elapsing between uh, store run and our little shop fridge. and. Yeah, I mean, it was only out for a little while. Yeah. The, who are we going to blame then? The, the liquor event? stores. Yeah, they never yeah. keep it cold enough. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was a little more tart. I'll say that without getting too uh, 
too deep into it. It's uh, pretty easy to drink. Yeah. There's two more of them up there. Um, All right. Tool of the week. Yeah, well, tool of the week, you know, I had a rummage through uh, some of the, the stuff here in Jeff's uh, basement. <laughs> basement. But I did come up, come away with this really, really great tool that uh, could easily be in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 inch Stabila, Maine, Germany. That's right. And uh, you know I have an affinity for these micro size tools, but this <laughs> is this is a mighty might of a level. Yeah. I mean it's really handy as Jeff was n- noting earlier uh, off broadcast. This is great when you're in a closet or some confined space. Um, I like this size a lot. It makes me think about the times, uh, God, 25 years ago when I had to commute on the train. And it was before, you know, we had all these fancy backpacks that held tools. So we all had, you know, you'd see guys with like rolling suitcases yeah. and anything they could sort of manage to get up and down the stairs in the subway and, and through the city. And I had a little tool bag. So I had lots of little tools like this. So you could fit, you know, as much as you could. Everything was kind of pint size. Yeah, you don't want to carry around a 48-inch level. No. <laughs> um but like, you know, all the Stabila stuff, it's really high quality. Um, if you're looking for a small level, um, some of the features on this, the end caps come off. They're rubber, so it's it's great. You don't, like, mar stuff up. But if you need to get into the corners and mark a line or, or bring some lines together, they come off. You can get in tight. And replace them. Yeah, yeah, because they wear a little bit. Yeah, and uh, these vials. I don't know if you saw one side. You see this side, they stick out. Mm-hmm. And this side they're flush, so this oh you can, yeah when you push it against the wall against it doesn't, the wall. It doesn't that's right. slide around that's right or more up the wall yeah that's a pretty cool little well thought out feature um, I love this handle here this grip mm-hmm. um, these vials are in acrylic uh, and set into the level you're not supposed to adjust, well you can't adjust them they're they're set in with epoxy doesn't shrink doesn't expand and they say uh, it's good for life. Mm-hmm. So what could, what could go wrong, right? Yeah, I mean, I... You've had this for how long? Uh, I mean, it's worn eight, off on the other side. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was ever on there. Maybe eight years. Oh, I bet this said crew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, this is a great tool. It really is. Yeah, I, I was uh, saying before we went on air, uh, that was one of the first big tool purchases I made when I... Uh, you know, start as a finish. Look, our freaking table's off out of level. Was uh, I got like the whole from the torpedo all the way up to the 78 inch or whatever level. I got them all because um, it's important. Oh, yeah. Doing yeah. doing uh, finish work or cabinetry, like having good levels is very important. You always see the guy with the jacked up empire blue <laughs> Things all covered with BS and concrete and glue. Yeah, it's got it's got mud all over it. Yeah. You know they've been using it as a screed to like yeah. make a sidewalk. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no sense in having a bad no. level. I I had the 72 inch Stabila, and I went out to Long Island to help my friend uh, put in some fence posts at his parents' house, and I left it there for him to use, and I never got it back. Wound up moving to New Jersey, and that uh, 
that level's long gone. Yeah, that's about two hundred dollar level. <laughs> yeah, it had the little cushy case, you yeah, know, yeah, and everything. Yeah, that in the garage. But but like you was one of my first like wow this is a nice tool I'm gonna spring yeah. for it. I had the uh, what they call the jammer set, which is for hanging doors. So it's a thirty to thirty two and a seventy eight. Um, and I, I couldn't find my 78. I left it somewhere. I thought maybe it got stolen. Cause I looked at all, I looked, went to all the jobs, looked, I couldn't find it, went and I spent like 300 bucks or whatever to buy a new set. And then it turned up. That's how you find those yeah, things. So yeah. Then I sold it at like, you know, pennies on the dollar. <laughs> Somebody got lucky. Yeah. It was like in the basement, the finished basement. And then you go through a door and it's like an unfinished part. It was like in there. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but. Yeah, probably having lunch. I don't know. <laughs> Look, the dentist finally emailed me with the paperwork I got to fill out. <laughs> Isn't it funny when you talk to somebody on the phone, they're like, I'm going to set myself, I'm going to write myself a reminder so that yeah. this is yesterday, so that I don't forget to send you the paperwork. Um, and it always comes right when you're trying to do something else. Well, no, it came today. It was supposed yeah. to come yesterday. Yeah, see? There it is. So I had a reminder set to... Reach out to them to say, hey, where's the paperwork? Now i got to set this as unread. Mark is unread. Okay. There you go. Anywho, back to the matters at hand. And you can't really do much without, you know, some good levels. Yeah, not anything good. <laughs> not anything straight. Yeah. Plum. Right. <laughs> level. But, I mean... In our line of work, we don't use it much in the shop, but um, we can't go to the client's home without, you know, you have that great laser set yeah. too. Yeah. And sometimes I'll default back to the to the level, you mm -hmm. know, for, uh, you know, for certain stuff. It depends. Yeah. I like to have a couple of smaller levels like that and maybe a 24, 36 and use them simultaneously. I like the, the old-fashionedness of that I'm comfortable with. These are nice for front to back. Yeah. Because um, you don't, you know, you don't need a full 24-inch level to do the front to back. Mm -hmm. If you do, and you have one on the back of the cabinet, then you can't fit the whole level anyway. Yeah. So this will fit in front of or behind, uh, you know, your your larger level if you're leveling a run of cabinets. Yeah, check it out. It'll be down in the description. Yeah, worth it. Worth adding you to your toolkit. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see what what they're going for. Yeah, I wonder. I want to say sixty bucks. Yeah, I mean, I would stay away from that. Those like ten dollar levels that. Uh, Look at that. Can... Am I good or am I good? Was it fifty nine ninety nine? No, sixty bucks. Wow, sixty flat. That's that's from straight from the Evil Empire. Yeah, the, the, well, no, don't say that about him. <laughs> I met Amazon. <laughs> that's what I mean. Oh, yeah. They're listening. <laughs> that's right. When Bezos is prime minister of the world, you yeah. don't want that to come back to bite you. No. Yeah, I'll be disappeared like in mm -hmm. 1984. <laughs> I like those little torpedoes. We have that hanging up on the wall, a little grumpy. Yeah, I've got one, too, that I keep. Uh, and they have the magnetic version for a $10 upcharge. Mm. Well, should we get into these questions? Yeah, let's. let's. We, we don't have a ton of questions this week, but you know how that goes for us. We uh, we can digress. Gonna, yeah, we, and I'm sure we will. 
Uh, we got one here from our newest patron, Matt from Hey Good Hardwoods. If uh, if you guys don't know, we do have a Patreon and we do a, a bonus show every week. We should come up with a, like a name for it. Yeah, we. If you missed last week's, it was you know it was pretty informative. What did we talk about? We talked about the AA Anderson Lodge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes we get off on uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we might talk about <laughs> on the not informative side stuff going on in the shop or uh, stuff. We might go online and read reviews for Dairy Queen in Iowa and uh, just laugh about the stupid things that these people are that writing. People do and say, sure. Might talk about ancient aliens. Wow, or, uh, I mean, there's some big stuff happening oh, now. Because yeah. there was even that thing on 60 Minutes. Yeah, that's what that article was referencing. Okay. There's a bombshell UFO report. We won't. We'll talk about it on the Patreon. Uh, but yeah, if you guys are interested, there's always a link down there. Um, you know, we appreciate everyone that supports the podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, so we put out that show every week, a little bonus show for the patrons. And we do. We're we have coming up. I don't know uh, when the last one was. What was it? March or April fourteenth? Yeah, that. April fourteenth must have been yeah a month ago. So in. Uh, in two months, we'll be doing another live stream. Uh, still waiting on the patrons to tell us what the hell they wanted about. Yeah. The last one was about pricing, pre-pricing, or a prefabrication protocol. So from the time a client contacts you to the point of uh, basically landing the job. or, or Right. Um, so, yeah, how to how to deal with the client and price the job and... and um, we handed out some spreadsheets and templates and things like that yep. to um, get people started. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and you'd have access to the the recording of that. Every you know, there's access to all that information still. Now you didn't have to be there for the, the live stream. Yeah. So, um, so here's a question from Matt: Do you often make one-off jigs for projects, or do you have some jigs that you regularly? Do you often make one-off jigs for projects, or do you have some jigs that you use regularly in projects? Any must-have jigs that you both recommend for somebody just getting started? Yes and yes. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> next question. No, just kidding. <laughs> we, we constantly make one-off jigs. Yeah. Uh, and more, m I'd say we do more one-offs than... Uh, than regular, yeah. Than ones that we use regularly, and the nicer ones linger around the shop. <laughs> doesn't mean they get used again. Yeah. But you know they they work really well, and we think, well, you know, and another one might come up mm -hmm. where we use this, but because we have such a small shop, these things generally after a month or two uh, get taken apart and put in their you know, scrap bins. Yeah, it's got to be something that that's gonna that's definitely gonna get used mm -hmm. again. Like not something like, well, we might make another bracket foot, right? Sort of thing. Well, no, I just get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, we have a hard time getting rid of some of the stuff. There's some sentimental value to these things as you. It takes time. It. It takes, yeah, you know, good time to make good jigs. So. Um, Good example is I just made the one to do the faux tenons on the Dutch door, mm -hmm. but you know, I smashed it up and threw it away yesterday because yeah, yeah. When's the next time that we're going to be building an inch and three quarter door that has this size rails? 
you know, yeah, because it, it'll probably be close, but not right. Yeah. And then it's like, man, we just kept this thing around that's taken up 16 inches long and eight mm-hmm. inches deep and three inches thick. Well, we don't have the space to keep it around, right? Uh, I mean, some of the flat templates I have that I use for guitar bodies, they're hanging up on the wall, they don't really take up much room, but they haven't come down in three or four years. Yeah, um, Bing's bass was the last. Mm-hmm. Base I made, and that was gotta be three, three years, years ago. Now. Yeah, um, but they take time to produce those bodies and get because they're asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just screwed to the wall, right? Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in general, and they're flat. You know, yeah, we don't have, we don't often use flat. No, they're templates for shape, right? And not really a function of, yeah, it, yeah, which is. Those jigs tend to take up more room because they're like 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of which ones we use regularly. What, what about the, the mitering stuff? Yeah. Even that's like... It's getting phased out a little bit. We don't really it? use... It's not even that it's phased out. We just don't use it that often. Yeah. Like, a you know, a miter sled for the table saw. Um... Featherboards and stuff like that. I don't know if you would call that a jig, but no. you know we have specific setups with featherboards. Um, yeah, one that I used once that I saved that I thought I would use over and over again was that uh, duplex outlet jig. Mm-hmm. So I made it when I was making that island just before we formed, and so I cut cut it right into the side of. Uh, the top rail on that island. And it looked really great. I thought, oh, I'll use this again. <laughs> Duplex, too. It shows you how long ago it was. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we... Uh... But we're big uh, proponents of the one-off jig. We don't think it's too much time to invest for the most no, part. No, because... Um... You know, 99% of the time you make up that time in the, because you're producing things faster mm-hmm. and you're, they're always going to be more, um, you know, identical and stuff like that if you're using a jig. Yeah, so. the repeatability. Right. If you're, so, because every job's going to have two, four, eight instances of this thing. Mm-hmm. So it's really worth it. I mean, yeah. even if it's two, we love that repeatability. Yeah, I'm. I I don't. I like things to be identical. Like mm-hmm. if there's two of something, I want them to be identical. Like yeah, yeah, where if it was humanly possible to not be able to tell the difference at all, that's how I want it. Ideally, right. um, so as close to that as I can get. So it's not just about saving time for us. It's about the function and the final appearance of yeah, it. Yeah, even if it like took that. a little more time. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I can't think of any jig right now that, like, we break out and use over and over. Because we don't really do the same thing. Even if it's really similar, it's going to have different dimensions. Something's going to be a little bit different. Um, if we had to think of Yeah, I think we can do it. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. I love the Mighty Slug. I mean, we love doing stuff on the table saw when we can. Yeah. Um, it just gives us a, a better quality cut. Right. We don't really rush over to the, uh, you know, the chop saw too often. No, no. Our chop saw is not cut out for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe if we had like a dedicated, like, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to ask John Peters one of these days about the quality of the Capex. If it's oh yeah, yeah, I mean we don't have to ask John. We know that it's uh, well, yeah. As far as the cuts and everything, oh no, you'd yeah, be happy I mean, with that, yeah. Well, I mean that that uh, battery powered Makita is really nice that you have. Yeah, uh, for cutting small stuff though, the table saw is the it's the ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would say that uh, if you think you need a jig, make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good practice too, like practicing your skills of assembly and thought process as far as like, um, you know, measuring offsets and things like that. Cause mm -hmm. there's all these little things that come into play when you make a jig, like a router. Yeah. And troubleshooting because typically mm -hmm. on the first go, it, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite. Right. Go. And you say, oh, I, shit, I didn't realize that this. So then you got to yeah. backtrack and fix it. And yeah, it's definitely a good exercise. I mean, we even do mock ups of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, is this bench going to fit in the confessional? Mm -hmm. um, so it's always good to run through it. We move on to question number two. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> when's the meetup? That's from Keith Blackthorn Concepts on Instagram. <laughs> uh, we don't know. We, have, we haven't even really thought about it. Yeah, we, we did hear, was it NPR? That was talking about um, the mask rules in New York. Mm -hmm. Say, so in Jersey, it's pretty much, you know, still everybody, even if you're vaccinated, you're wearing masks and things like that. In New York, it's super loose. If, you've, if you're double vaccinated, fully vaccinated, um, they're saying, the CDC saying, you just go out as if uh, this is pre-pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, I guess unless it's like a, a lot of, there's like a ton of people. Yeah. I don't know what it is like at, at bars and restaurants mm -hmm. and stuff, you know what I mean? Because technically at the table, you don't have to wear one in New Jersey, so I don't right. know. But it's something we got to look into and figure out. I mean, out. that's definitely a factor, people's comfort level. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, where is uh, where is uh, Keith located? Keith's down in Jackson. Oh, okay, so he's local. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that'll, I mean, where could you see something like this happening? Well, we're talking about like Belfort Brewery or yeah. Ross. Ross isn't going to be open for another two months, but. Um, that might be good timing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. We got uh, June, July. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see. Middle of summer. Nice and hot, sweaty, <laughs> outside, <laughs> no. wearing a mask. Mm -mm. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. A bunch of smelly <laughs> tradesmen. Yeah. <laughs> Yakking through their masks. Yeah. <laughs> When's that meetup? <laughs> yeah. We'll uh we'll have to start thinking about it. Yeah, and we could, you know, set out feelers. People 
can respond to this, people who hear it and are interested, mm-hmm. um, you know, let us know. Yeah, we're, so we're in, in Middletown, New Jersey, so we'll be doing it, you know, I assume somewhere within 20 minutes of here. Yeah. Uh, I, I My idea was, to, like, at a brewery, some sort of brewery, place that has a space like where that. we could, uh, you know, hang out, maybe have some food and stuff, maybe give some stuff away. That would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, we might be able to scrounge up some stuff from, uh, well, definitely from Montana, mm-hmm. but maybe for, uh, from some other folks. Yeah. And then we'll probably kick in a few things of our own. Yeah. A beer glass. <laughs> a t-shirt, maybe, if we have your size. Beer glasses for all. No, not for all. <laughs> we don't have that many. <laughs> That's true. It takes... Takes a while to get those. All right. So there you have it. Um, if you hear this and you're interested in the meetup, speak to us. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. All right. Uh, I got one here from our buddy Corey, actually wearing uh, the shirt that Corey sent us. Yeah. Yeah. CT Woodwork on Instagram. What is your favorite snack in the shop? Well, I don't know. If uh, this can be disputed, I mean, we love our snacks, mm-hmm. but if a bag of peanuts, shelled peanuts, not shelled, in the shell peanuts. Yeah, I'm I'm still confused over the nomenclature. Yeah. So in the shell. Peanuts in the shell. If a bag of those hits the shop, it's like we're hungry wolverines. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter if we've eaten, if we've, you know, just had lunch. Uh, we're on a diet. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing that could save that bag of peanuts. No, yeah, they're <laughs> talking about like a, I don't know what they come in. Is like a two-pound bag, a three-pound bag? I don't know. It's embarrassingly large. We bought two bags of peanuts <laughs> the last time we went to Tractor Supply to pick up uh, bolts. I mean, we'll have... St- Tummy aches the next day from eating so many, and we yeah. still can't stop. They were gone in like <laughs> three days or something, yeah. two, three three days. Yeah. Six pounds of peanuts. <laughs> they are damn good, though. <laughs> they, they're, they're really like crack, though. Once we start eating them, yeah. you, you can't get them out of the shell fast enough. Uh-huh. Um, but <laughs> What are some other snacks we've enjoyed like that in the uh, show? We were on the pretzel thing for a while. I, yeah, that's I just, right. The I pretzels, can't eat the pretzels. It was short-lived. I uh, I try and refrain from snacking during the day. Yeah. Yeah, you do uh, have quite a bit of willpower. Well, yeah, during certain hours of the day. And um, there was the uh, the incident with the Girl Scout cookies. That was, yeah. that was a pretty uh, shameless display of gluttony. We had the the cookies from the bakery a couple times when uh, we had like clients coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith from Two Bit sent over that. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, I was out on quarantine. Yeah, the I ate that whole cake. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell else? And we we do love our uh, Big Mike's Little Red Store. Oh yeah, gourmet sandwiches and Grill Thirty Six. Yeah, Grill 36 is our new haunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Egyptian, Mediterranean-style food. Yeah. Uh, authentic, the real deal. Um, 
<laughs> not like no, I don't know if we should say it, but like we, we we pass all these ethnic quote unquote ethnic restaurants when they're clearly some kind of appropriation well, is yeah. you know like the Mexican place where you dos banditos <laughs> like yeah dos gringos these are definitely yeah rich white people that own this place yeah. if I wanted those kind of tacos I'd just stay home right but this guy he's really from Egypt straight straight yeah. here from Egypt. Um, so he's cooking probably his mom's recipes mm-hmm. and it shows. Yeah, it's good. It's because it's, although it's familiar, you know, the style's familiar. It's definitely like a, a take on the food, you know, like it's somebody's home cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's part of what we enjoy too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, snacks, we love our snacks. Would fake crab legs count as a snack? (laughs) We had a guy (laughs) who'd go out for lunch. He'd go to the store for lunch, and he'd just bring back a bag of, yeah, crab with a K and a jar of some kind of sauce. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta have down like a good three cores light before you <laughs> embark on that journey, don't you think? <laughs> All right, woohoo! Careful there, Rob. All right. Speaking of the cores light, what's your advice for gluing up using Festool dominoes? Is it glue just on the tenons strong enough? Is glue just on the tenons strong enough? On butt joints, do you also put a little glue on the end grain to long grain joint? Had some trouble seating joints and wondered if there was way too much glue in the mortise and if I should avoid it. That's from Miles. He's he's one of our loyal patrons. He's known as Eat Drink Wine Guy on Instagram. So that was a that was a long question with a couple of different uh, parts. Yeah. Um, I'm like a glue... I don't want to say a glue Nazi, but like I'm gonna cover yeah, you every can't say Nazi. Yeah, every square inch of of a glue up with glue, both sides. Um, so I put it in the mortise, I put it on the end grain, I put it on, you know, then put in the domino, put it on the outside of the domino, in the mortise on the other one. Whatever glue the joint can't take, it's gonna squeeze out, and obviously you don't want too much squeeze out, so you have to use the right amount of glue, but. Um, my thought would would be that you might have had some chips down in the mortise, and that's why I didn't yeah. want to close up. Um, or maybe a little too much glue at the bottom. Yeah, the domino will squeeze it all out, though. Yeah, it has those things on the side those where the little glue, ridges. Yeah. yeah, that's what those are for. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe if if you don't you don't push the domino all the way to the bottom before you seat it. You know, the glue won't have anywhere to go when you try and close the joint. You know, it'll create like a vacuum almost, mm-hmm. like a bubble. So maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, we're going to give them that the, there's, the holes are deep enough. Yeah, yeah, because they would have, like, they'd be, like, way off, I feel like. Yeah, some, 
I, I've I've run across that once or twice in my thousand of domino joints where well, uh, you didn't get that last little. Yeah, like if I if I'm doing a fifty, I'll do like a twenty five and twenty eight mm-hmm. just to have extra yeah, depth little, on the one because that's then that's going to be end grain to end grain or end grain to long grain. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about losing that. You know what is that half a three quarters of a square inch of glue surface? I'm not yeah. worried about losing that. So he's asking if he thinks the domino tenons are strong enough. Is oh, just glue on the tenon strong enough? Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I would say put glue on everything. Yeah. Then yeah. you can't go wrong. Oh, so he's thinking don't put any glue on the on the boards themselves. Right. Like if you're doing like oh, a, yeah. a butt joint, an edge grain to end grain. Okay. You put it on. Yeah, we put it on everything. Yeah. Yeah. We're like the glue Gestapo. Yeah, you can't say Nazi anymore. But I think yeah, Gestapo <laughs> might even be worse. <laughs> I had a boss I used to call it Gestapo. <laughs> yeah, no, so I wouldn't avoid uh, glue in the mortise. Definitely spread it around with an acid brush or uh, whatever, a little yeah s- stick. I mean, I think that's key is spreading it yeah. so that it's a thin layer, not a glob. Yeah. Because you might be running into a big puddle at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if it's too tight, see, on the domino, it has on the edges the, this little ridge and these these little recess parts where the glue will actually come up on either right. side. Yeah. Uh, but if, if... I don't know. For some reason, if it's too tight, it might not. Yeah. Or maybe if the joint's really flooded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the amount of glue is definitely part of the equation. You want to get just the right amount of squeeze out. Yeah. Cover everything. I don't think too much glue is going to prevent the joint from closing. Though. No, no, it wouldn't. It'd just be sloppy. Yeah. Glue everywhere. Um. So that's what he's asking. Too much glue and if he should avoid it. Maybe you have to move a little quicker because the dominoes will swell and they could get hung up. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like when we were doweling the Dutch doors. So they each got three three-eighths-inch dowels. And they have to. I sunk them down below the surface so that I could put the, the uh, faux tenon in and not worry about any of them hitting. So I would drive them in and then take another dowel and, and drive them b- below the surface. One of them I put in and... Uh, and I waited. I did the next one before I drove it in, and it actually swelled. And I had a really <laughs> hard time sending it home. Because, That'll teach you. Yeah, I mean, it's a wedge. So your dominoes could have gotten, could have swelled if you're not moving fast enough, and, yeah. and then they won't move. Every now and again, I mean, they're pretty consistent, but every now and again, you, you find one that'll react a little bit differently, too. Yep. There I go, Yawn and Lou. Oh, have your laughs. I can't yeah. help it. <laughs> So, what's your advice for gluing up Festool do- with for gluing up using Festool dominoes? Can we summarize it? Get glue everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, on the boards, make on sure, the dominoes. Yeah, make sure that you're uh, a bottoming out the domino mm-hmm. when you're making the cut, and uh, you know maybe use two settings if you have to to get it extra deep. Um. And uh, move fast. Brush that glue on every surface. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. Shouldn't have any problem. If, uh, if you do, give us another shout. Yeah. All right. Oh, you want to read this next one? Yeah, go on here from Brian, Great Point Woodworks on Instagram. Are you guys installing that Dutch door yourselves? Looks great so far. I'm happy to give this next answer. No. Yeah. Uh, no, we're not. So this is going in a kitchen reno slash, I don't know if it's an addition per se. Uh, I think it is. It was a porch and they enclosed it. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. I think they added like 10 feet. Yeah, I think it was like that's where the porch, because this is going on the porch. That porch mm-hmm. was there, and, and they turned it into like an addition. Um, uh, where the hell is it going with this? Oh, yeah, so the builder, um, you know, originally they were just going to like buy a door, I guess. So the builder had already been factored in to be installing a door. So mm-hmm. basically we're just building it, and then it's still yeah. in their contract to install yeah. the door. So. Um, rather than us drive all the way up there and spend a day and charge them for a day, you know, now the client doesn't have to pay us to do it. That's we don't. Right. We don't want to do it anyway. No, no. Um, because they've already they've already been billed for that work mm-hmm. by the by right. the GC. So, um, we, yeah, we just don't like doing installs. No. <laughs> I mean, hanging a door is easy. Yeah, this one's probably going to just go straight in, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've hung hundreds of doors, so it's not really. But they're doing the hardware, too, which is which is a nice. Uh, yeah. Um, they'll probably be sweating when they walk and drill into the door. Yeah. I mean, it's a day. It would, it would be a day to, to do the whole thing. Yeah. But so. it's far from home, so. Yeah, how? What is it like? It's over. Was it over an hour to get up there? Or about an hour? Uh, it's about an hour. Yeah, that's long distance for us. Mm-hmm. Not like in the city where everything takes an hour, no matter what. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, but we'd go. If I mean, we'd do it if if we were uh, asked. What? Install the door? Yeah, and travel oh. and all that stuff. Yeah, we just as long we as we're prefer paid. not to. Yeah, yeah. All right, and uh, it says that this next this next question from Dave Blue Gerson, is that what that is that what that is Blue Gerson? Yeah, Blue Gerson on Instagram. Were those is is the way that question starts? Is that a typo? No. Oh, were those badass hinges a customer pick, <laughs> or did you guys pick them out? Yeah, that's that's all you, man. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I picked them out. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just gotta just pick something out, and that. Yeah. Don't bother yourself with asking the client. Typically, we we have carte blanche and we just we pick everything ourselves. Yeah. Um, we run into some problems when we ask the client's opinion too often. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we like to the clients to have that amount of trust in us to just pick, um, and the the clients love these hinges, and they didn't see them until they saw it on the Instagram. So. Right. Um, so those are, I've had so many people ask, they're from House of Antique Hardware, um, which we use a lot, and they're, they're reproductions from like the early 1900s, uh, solid, unlacquered brass, they're just nice, they're, uh, Deltana is the brand. So why'd we pick, uh, unlacquered brass? Uh, well, so that it patinas. Yeah. 
I mean, I know why. What? It's pretty obvious. I'm engaging our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because not everybody knows that uh, that's why, you know, we would go with unlacquered. We wanted to have that age kind of look when, mm-hmm. it, you know, reacts with the environment and oils from people touching it and stuff like that. And those things are really well built, too. They're not yeah. just, um, you know, good looking. No, they're real architectural hinges. They're not, you know, it's not just a pin and some bent over metal. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. you know, they're ball bearing and they're greased and they're nice. Has the etching on the backside where mm-hmm. they, you know, extend past the jam. All right. So that was, that was a Jeff pick. Yeah, I, they turned out nice. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I got another one here from Corey. What was a recent new technique or product that you used that you enjoyed? Uh, CT Woodwork on Instagram. Product. Technique. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the easy one. Total Boat. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That uh, Total Boat Gleam 2.0. Yeah, now, because we're typically, you know, tongue oil, maybe wax, real... Uh, you know, organically minded, no fumes, no VOCs, mm-hmm. real non-toxic kind of stuff. But it doesn't give you that same depth as this. But that yeah. wasn't the main reason we really went with this finish. Yeah, this was for, you know, just... Um, uh. I mean, it's an exterior door, so... Right, the weatherproofing sort of aspect of it. It's a marine spar varnish, so mm-hmm. it's it's made for a boat. Um, so it's going to protect the door for a long time. And yeah, yeah. We we talked about it because we used the Rubio exterior. Is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, yeah the hybrid wood protector. We used that on that coffee bar thing mm-hmm. um, because we knew it was going to be around humidity and water. Literally, there's... You know, a tap coming out of the mm-hmm. thing. Steam's going to be coming off that coffee machine. So we went with that. And we were thinking about choosing one of those things. Yeah, it just doesn't seem that protective. No, I mean, we Not used it. Door. And it looked like furniture-grade stuff. Yeah. And we wanted something that was at least a couple of ticks above that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a... It's been a good finish so far. Yeah, uh, you've been putting it on. I've been watching mm-hmm. you basically. Um, you roll it on, and then you back brush, and it, it's been leveling pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, you could spray it, you can uh, roll it on, you can brush it on. There's all kinds of uh, you know ways to do it. So the total boat, yeah. I'm, I probably left you. Uh, you're you're pretty quick on your feet. What do you, what else we got in there? Mm. For new, that's really it. I mean, we've been talking about them for a while, but we're pretty high on the Brad Point bits from uh, Montana. Yeah, Montana Brand Tools. Um, what else? Yeah, we don't really have a lot of new stuff going through the shop right now. Yeah, we got a Powermatic. Mm-hmm. You know, all stuff we talked about. You know what was pretty cool was that little router bit that came with the weather stripping. Yeah. I mean, it's not uh, <laughs> sexy or anything like that. No. But it really, it made a nice, clean, easy job of it. 
Yeah, just a slot cutting bit that matched the the weather stripping that mm -hmm. we. But it's it's nice when those things wind up working instead of just advertising that they will. Yeah, I mean that's made by that company to yeah, work with that specific. Yeah. So it fit really nice and snug when it was all said and done. All right, man, we're we're blasting through our questions today, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this one from Brian at Gray Point Woodworks on Instagram. Have you ever turned down a job because it was too intimidating? Hmm. Uh, not that I can remember. <laughs> I would say that if one ever came along that we should probably turn down, we wouldn't because yeah. we're either, uh, you know, too hungry for the chance to do something. Mm -hmm. That's such a big challenge. I mean, we might turn something down because of the size of it. Like we have physical limitations in our shop. Right. But I think if it was like intimidating on a skill level, we feel like we would at least be able to muddle through the first half of it, prototype it, ask people. And if we have the machinery for it, we would do it. And I think in the end it would come out all right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, we've gotten asked to bid things that were pretty crazy and not necessarily got them, but we definitely bid them and intended on making them. If, mm -hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. We bid that elliptical library, right. um, a full ellipse of bookcases, which doesn't get much more complicated than that. I don't know. I don't think so. And, and the way we were doing it wasn't, you know, going to be uh, kind of like, half-assing it, we were going to really go at it the way we do everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, elliptical face frames and, and cabinets, and that's, that's definitely up there in difficulty. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of layout and, and execution, and they weren't all identical. Right, right. Yeah, it was different. Um, what do you call a section of an ellipse along the edge? need a math teacher in here for that. I don't know. Is it a sector? I don't know. I, have, I literally have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. But it was like different chunks of the outer. Yeah, it wasn't like four quadrants of the thing. It was different. They were in different portions of the ellipse. Yeah, so they would have different curves, mm -hmm. different lengths. So you, not a lot of repeatability there. No, no. Um, so we would have had a mock-up. <laughs> it was like... It, it was big, too. Um, oh, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, how many feet do you think that was from far point to far point? I don't remember. I'd like to go see if uh, what the hell they did. Yeah. Because I think they a site carpenter did it. Yeah. Probably. That's the, the inside scoop that I got. So, you know, it uh, came out kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Or, well, we won't see, but. Yeah, we won't get to see that stuff. So the answer is no, we never did. We haven't been asked to do something that uh, scared us off. Not to say that there is or isn't, but I mean, if something came along, we would be smart enough to know, I don't think we can do that. Yeah, I mean, but what, I can't even think of something. Um, as long as there's enough money in the job to you know, cover any, any uh, tooling or something that we needed. Yeah, and I mean, if, if we, got right down to it, we could 
sort of supervise larger scale productions by farming out some of the labor. I mean, that's kind of the way things are done in the modern age now too, you know. Um, We have experience doing that, so you're right. There's probably not much that uh, we wouldn't jump into feed first. Better or worse. Bring it on. (laughs) Brian, do you have anything in mind? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, let us know because it it sounds like you, maybe you're leading a little bit and that you had something. Yeah. Or maybe not, but but if you guys, you know, had anything, let us know. Definitely. I know starting out, I took on jobs that it wouldn't be anything uh, extremely difficult now, but at the at those stages, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I took it on. I mean, you can't do anything for the first time without <laughs> not knowing what the hell you're doing. That's right. The first couple of years. And then I kind of got in that mode, so I would always, you know, read about something and then want to work it into the next job. So as a designer, I'd plug it in and plug it in until one of those jobs hit Mm -hmm. um, so I could actually work on it. All right, you want to take this last one? Yeah, we got another one here from Miles, Eat, Drink, Wine Guy, one of our patrons. Uh, Can you use a card scraper to finish a piece rather than sand? I've heard that... Uh, that the way it cuts the fibers, it should be fine. Have I heard wrong? People do. I mean, there are proponents of it. Yeah. Um, I've sort of heard both uh, both sides. Yeah, you're gonna get somewhat of a scraped look too. I mean, it's gonna it's not gonna look the same as as a sanded piece for sure. Um, you know, and I think it would also depend on the size um, of the, like a, a big tabletop would be a lot harder, I think, to, to get done super evenly, you know, where there weren't any marks or there's some, you know, uh, call it maker's marks, for lack of a better word. What do you think? Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've really never tried it. No, because uh, it's just not practical, really, for us. Yeah. Like, everything is sort of big for the most part, and, you know, we're not going to scrape with a card scraper an entire piece of furniture and then put finish on it. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of guys, you know, use a card scraper and then sand. And I've seen people just use a card scraper, so I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the, the the true answer is. I mean, I love my scrapers. I use them a lot. I like, you know, considering that sort of like my pre-sanding ritual, you know, scraping. I like using it if I have to level any joints, I like to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like to go back and sand. And I, I like to use the six-inch sander even because it's yeah. bigger. Yeah, I mean our scrapers aren't really set up. As, you know. They're not like fine no. tools. They're 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 like our miter saw. Yeah, I have one <laughs> that I that I try and keep pretty pretty nice, and then one that's for more rough stuff. But we're not scraping as a finish. No, it's more of a production tool, I guess. So. You happy with that? That's all we got. Yeah. You guys are slacking this week on the questions. 
We're yeah. sub one hour right now. Holy smokes. Have we ever been that short? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe the very, very first ones. I remember when uh, you told us we were going to have to talk for an hour. I thought, oh, my God. Who's going to want to listen to us for an hour? Let's see. You got episode one there? Yeah. This is everything. Even episode one was an hour three. So that's what we got to shoot for. We can't, we can't go sub hour three, can we? We got one that's 59.12. Hour and 10. still have thoughts on the beer of the week. That's true. The, uh, the old Zero Gravity Frankie. Everyone's summer crush. You know anybody named Frankie? Mm, I don't think so. I got a cousin. He's known as Frankie Boy. He doesn't sound like he's everyone's crush. No. Because um, his dad is uh, also a Frank. My, uh, that's uh, my uncle, Fingy. <laughs> that's as close as I have to a Frankie. Yeah, no, I don't know any Frankies. I know Frank. I know Frank. Yeah, who's Frank? Carpenter 1-3. Oh. oh, yeah, we were just talking. So, I should go first. I like it. Still got a little left in here. Been sipping away at it. It was good. Um, it's fruity. Yeah. It needs some more acidity or, or tartness or something for me. A little bit like, I don't know. Is it slightly carbonated? It's definitely carbonated. Like in that seltzery kind of way? What do you mean? Like beer? Like, no, well, it has more like smaller bubbles, it feels like. Oh, I don't know. Beer's carbonated, you know that, right? Yeah, that's why it has to come out of the keg with the pressure. <laughs> and the bubbles on the top. Yeah. Um, yeah, if anything, I felt like it was under-carbonated. Hmm. I'm not really an aficionado. It was okay. It t it does doesn't taste a lot like beer. No. Whereas the other fruity beers we've had had be had more of a beer taste, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I'd like to taste these things side by side. My memory fails. Yeah, it's hard. You blow out your palate. I give it uh, one thumb up, not two. All I right. thought it was going to be better, more juicy and, and sort of crisp, but it was like bright, eh. spritzy. Eh. Spritzy is probably what I'm trying to describe with those tiny bubbles. I just didn't find it. To me, tiny bubbles is the opposite of spritzy. Big bubbles is spritzy to me. Oh. Those little bubbles is like creamy. 
Big so Bubbles is like crisp. So we're talking semantics here. Well, no, that's that's <laughs> reality. <laughs> You know, you think of like, uh, give me some examples. Well, like this that had small bubbles. Okay. It, it, I didn't think it was crisp. Right, like a fresca. That's crisp, yeah. Or like a Diet Coke. This was like creamy almost. Hmm. You know, I, sh- I should have had, you know, had it a little bit faster. It wasn't as, as uh, flavorful as it warmed up, I'm going to say. Hmm. Like those first few gulps really went down nice and easy. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Too much cherry, not enough lemon. It needs to be more tart. Oh, man. Zero gravity better get back to the drawing board on uh, this one. Yeah, you know. They got, they got big shoes to fill. I'm going to give them a thumbs up because... Uh, I gave them one thumb up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, so if we have two, I, mean, I never, I haven't been grading that way. I've just <laughs> been pass or fail for me. So I'm going to say pass. It's a pass. Yeah, yeah it's I a pass. I didn't dislike it. Yeah. But I just thought it could be better. All right. You know, you can be that way. Like tart cherry? It's, it wasn't tart. That's they're calling a tart cherry. Hmm. I don't really smell any cherry. I taste it, Jerry. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was just uh, too complex for us. The jury's out. I'm a um, simple guy, you know. Like a nice Schlitz or a Coors Light. Yeah, Coors Light. About five Coors Light. Give a, uh, a big thanks to our our gold tier patrons, Jerry Greenan, David Murphy, Manny Sirianni, Dustin Fayer, Adam Pothas, David Shoemaker, and Colin Lai. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll see you guys in the... In the near future. In, yeah, in the Patreon show. Patreon. To be named. Yeah. Uh, should we let the Patreons name the show? No, because I'm just, all I want is to know what the next live stream is about, and they can't even answer that. So, All right, Patreon. It's time to step up your game. Yeah, come on. Let us know. Otherwise, I told you it's going to be about ancient aliens. <laughs> now I can talk forever yeah. on that. You don't want that. So tune in next week. And, uh, For episode 38. That's right. Adios. Ciao.